comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Walking Dead TV Podcast, episode number 32, the commentary track for episode 5, Wildfire. I'm your host, the Whiteberry White, Jim Dietz, and joining me tonight <laughs> as co-hosts for this commentary track are Brad, Jordan, and Russ. How are you doing, guys? Doing well. Good. Splendid. I'm so excited. This is the first commentary track I've actually been able to be on. Yay. Uh, Thanks to you know my restaurant and my my baby and all this other stuff that's been in the way, so I'm really psyched to join you guys on this one. Yeah, it's First, nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. But before we delve into all the goodness of our commentary track, I think Brad has a nice uh, word from our sponsors. Isn't that right, Brad? Sure. DCBService.com. You guys know them. We've talked about them. If you want to start getting into comic books or graphic novels, this is a great place to do it. Uh, you can get. Most of the items for sale are at 40% off that your DC and Marvel comics. Uh, they've got Image, IDW, um, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, tons of great stuff. They've got games, they've got toys, collectibles, videos, anything in the previews catalog that you can get at your local store and you can get through DCB service. Uh, anything in that catalog you can order from DCB service. So uh, And usually at a pretty good discount. Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of pretty good discount, for the second month in a row, DCBS is offering all 52 of the new DC titles in their new relaunch, all 52, all the second issues, all the number twos for 50% off. You can get 52 comics for $79.74. That's half price. That's, that's a bargain if you're going to buy 52 books like that. So check out dcbservice.com. Uh, you know them and love them. So do we. Absolutely. Uh, do we have any other business we need to attend to, or can we get right to the commentary, Russ? I have nothing. I am excited because I have only seen this episode one time, and I can't remember squat. So this will be like I'm watching it for the first time again. Actually, as soon as I said that, I just remembered one thing that happened. But still, I'm excited. <laughs> it's Brad Milo's amnesia commentary. So, Yes. Okay, Russ, do you want to run our listeners through the, uh, the SOP as we uh, go through the commentaries that we do? I will do so. All right, everybody. So <clears throat> we've done several of these commentary tracks at this point um, for Walking Dead and for Legion of Dudes as well. So I think we're, uh, we're, we've got it down pat. So... You're going to put your media of choice, a Blu-ray, DVD, um, iTunes, whatever, whatever um, electronic format you have your file in. Um, if, you're, if you're working from DVD, Blu-ray, skip past all of the opening menus, skip past all that other stuff. And actually, you're going to want to kick off the actual Episode 5 wildfire. And on the, the Blu-ray and DVD, the, the episodes just start. You don't get an AMC logo. You don't get any pre-credit or anything like that. So if you're working from there... You're gonna hit pause right when you right when you see the the 
the greenery with the sun shining right in the middle. So as soon as you see that that sun, you know, pop up or fade in, go ahead and hit pause on the Blu-ray DVD copy. It's looking at right at two seconds. Um, so again, hit that pause, and then what we'll do is we'll give you a few seconds to get that situated. Um, hit pause on your your recording, and then when we come back, we'll do a little countdown um, to get everybody synced up. So um, go ahead and um, hit pause on your MP3 player now and get your video file queued up. All right, everybody, now that you've got your stuff queued up, your MP3 is back running, obviously, because you're listening to me. We're going to do a countdown. So it'll be three, two, one, unpause. So I think I think there was some fear with this that this was going to become a regular trope of the show. I know we talked about this before, where he was Rick would be talking on that walkie-talkie, trying to get Morgan. Um, but I, I just I thought it was a cool technique. You know, we get a little bit inside Rick's head that you know you could sometimes get in the book, but it's hard to come across in the show. Yeah, you don't get that internal monologue uh, in the, in the uh, show the way it is in the book. So this is a good way to do it without it being too uh, obtrusive in the story. And just for just for what it's worth, I own a Motorola radio just like Rick has in his hand. Not worth much. You must be very proud. I am. Now, this episode in particular is significant because of who wrote it. This is the episode of the first six written by Glenn Mazzara, the current uh, showrunner for The Walking Dead. So if you want a taste of what his writing sounds like, pay attention to the writing in this episode. This is another one we kind of talked about a little bit that Darabon, um, you know, obviously Frank Darabon directed the first episode. He's had a hand in a lot of it. But this is the the the, the next episode was just very well directed. I thought I thought it just I like these tight shots, these close up um, shots, real personal um, to get you involved in it. So I, I thought the directing on this was probably the best I've seen since uh, since the pilot. Plus, I mean, this speaks to Rick's hope. You know what I mean? He's still holding on to hope that they're okay and that they're coming and that they'll be all right. You know, it just yeah. shows him how much hope he has as a character. Yeah. And then this is kind of where we get the payoff, I think, from the long oh. scene in the in the previous episode Jeez. with Lori and uh, and her sister. That CG blood looked pretty real. This is kind of cool, though, because if you don't know what's coming, I mean, one, you think one thing's happening, and then you realize what is actually going to happen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
It's very powerful as it plays out. I think this is really speaks to the drama of the series, too. Yeah. It's just a great Andrea moment. You know, I was a little critical of how the previous episode ended and them spending so much time with Andrea and Amy together. And then when you see this opening sequence here, I think it really pays off. Um, and, it, and it's funny, this didn't bother me so much. The long open with, with the two of them in this episode didn't bother me as much as the, the long close did in the previous episode, which is a little strange. A little foreshadowing with Andrea's character when she points the gun at Rick and says, I know how to use the, or I know how the safety works. Mm-hmm. It's like bullseye and womp rats with your T-16 back home. Yeah. Yeah, they are much uh, more than two meters. Nope. The but attention like to we- detail here is is on this show is pretty awesome. Like, <clears throat> everybody's dirty. Lori, uh-huh. uh, in an earlier shot, she had, like, junk on her neck. Uh, Daryl's uh, pickaxe had, you know, was covered with what looked like brain goo still everybody's all sweaty which i'm sure they probably were in real life i don't i don't think this is a situation where they probably had to spray um water on everybody to make them sweaty i'm pretty sure it was uh good and hot for them to to record this it was like the hottest summer in 10 years in atlanta or something like that So it's a good thing they didn't decide to move the shoot to Texas this year, right, Brad? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh-oh. She just saw Jim. just a flesh wound can you imagine being Jim right now yeah yes I can (laughs) <laughs> oh, you mean the character, yeah. Uh, yeah, not Jim Deeds. He's not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> Especially, you know, again, a lot of tension here, given what's going on with Amy and how they're handling that. They were still kind of fighting over whether they, you know, how that should, should play out and what they should do. And here they've got a situation where, you know, Jim's still alive, but he's been bitten um, and still feeling pretty good. Yeah, this this really kind of speaks to the story, to me anyway, about how it's really not about the zombies, it's about the drama between the characters. 
You know, mm-hmm. the characters are put in this impossible situation where they have to choose their own safety over the life of their friend, you know. I mean, that's really where the, the gist of the series is for me, you know. And it's, again, not to get too spoilery, but knowing where the comic is now compared to how Rick feels about people in this um, is an interesting progression that, that we'll see. Well, speaking of the comic, we should probably mention to our listeners who don't read the comic that this particular storyline about Jim getting bit is pretty much directly from the book. A few things here and there are slightly different, but un- unlike where the next episode is going to go, this one's pretty close. Yeah, even the last scene with Jim is pretty much taken almost like a storyboard right from the comic. Yeah. Awesome moment right there. Gone. And you know, you know, the whole time you're watching it, you're like, you know, this isn't going to end well. No matter what they do, they're not going to be able to cure him. They're not going to find a, a way to get him any better. But, but again, they're they're doing whatever they can to to try and make it so that he gets out of it. Right. They're 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 and the rat. You know, emotionally. He's their friend. He's a survivor like they are. They've bonded with him through all their experiences. But rationally, they know that he's not going to make it. Well, and I, I think they're they're trying to hold on to their humanity. I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, civilization is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, they know what's going to go on, but I think they they're afraid that if they if they immediately go down that path, that, you know, even though they know the end game right now, but if they if they right now take it, you know, take him out back and put a bullet in his head that they're going on a pretty slippery slope and they're, you know, on, on a personal level going down a road that they're probably not very comfortable with, um, you know, especially early on, you know, as things are. I mean, if you fast forward a few years from now and and, and they've been through this many, many times, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be a different story. But, you know, here in the beginning, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough deal for them to be in. Right. They still don't know if the whole world is like this or if they're going to be saved or, you know, they, they, you know, anything like that. You're right. They still have a lot of hope and humanity. Yeah. And it is. And you made a good point, I think, earlier, you know, if you contrast between, you know, the way Rick is now in this and the way he is in the comic now. I mean, he's really progressed and like gotten more and more jaded as a character, I think, you know, just because of the situation. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, Jeffrey Demute is, uh, is Dale. I love him. I think he's the best member of the cast by far. To go back a few seconds to what you're talking about with uh, how Rick has changed over the years, on a similar note, I thought it was funny how when uh, he says we don't kill the living, Shane is the one who replies back, we don't agree on much, but we can agree on that, especially for uh, the future of Shane as much as the future of Rick. Yeah. Interesting, too, that, you know, the the way the episode shifted, we we end – the, the previous episode at night with with Amy and um, and Andrea, and then the next episode it's daytime with Amy and Andrea. So it's kind of interesting how you know the the switching of the episode acts as you know another advancement of time to go to, to the next day. Lori even said she'd been there all night. Yeah, 
And dude, she looks dead. I mean, she just, I mean, awesome makeup work. You know, I think sometimes when they, when they show people that are dead, they tend to overdo it. You know, the lips are like really blue and they go crazy with the shading and stuff, but she just looks like all the color has been, you know, taken from her and she's just perfectly still. I have my subtitles on and that shot when Daryl popped up, the, the subtitle said in parentheses, head squishes. Yeah. She's going to put a, put an axe in Ed's head. I think she's going to work out a little aggression. Why not? Oof. Wow. This is another one of those moments where it's like, wow, I can't believe this is on, you know, non, well, I guess it is pay TV, but you know what I mean? Right. Even Daryl's going, dang. <laughs> <laughs> I love how when that shot starts too, it's at that weird angle. Yeah. There, there it is again, but just how, you know, not only are you in a weird place because you're watching this act of violence, but your eyes are having to readjust to a strange angle at the same time. Now, did we ever work out, uh, beginning of when Rick wakes up to now, or to the end of the season, it's only like three or four days, right? I never did the math. Yeah, that's probably about right. I'll be interested to see season two, how much time they cover. I need yeah. to reread uh, book two one of these days, cause, uh, or a trade two, because it's been a while since I read that whole storyline, and I don't remember quite how long it takes. My And my understanding from Kirkman is that Season two is going to follow the comic a little more closely than uh, than season one did, if I understand. This entire sequence with Andrea and Amy, I expect her to just wake up and start biting. You know what I mean? Like, there's this whole tension. It's almost like she's putting her head in a lion's mouth. Here, here's a nice juicy brain for you to eat right in front of your mouth. <laughs> It's almost like Amy recognizes her, like she knows who it is. Because she reaches up, you know, to touch her face. Right. Another thing I really appreciate about this show is that, you know, as much action as there is, as you know, action sequences and things, uh, what have you, it really takes its time, you know, as far as telling its story. It doesn't seem rushed to me. It doesn't seem forced, you know. I mean, it just seems like natural characters reacting naturally, which I guess is the best compliment you could pay it, really, considering how fantastical the premise is.
did Andrea shoot Amy in the comic? I can't remember. I believe so. I think so. I think so too. I'd have to go back and double check, but. It's weird too. I mean, they don't like like you say. You know, Amy seems to know her and recognize her, and is touching her face. They really don't um, explain. Like, even with the deep explanation we get in the next episode of the of the virus and everything, it doesn't so much explain how that could happen. You know what I mean? Well, uh, you know, enough of the person would be retained because isn't it explained as like the T virus? You know, eating the brain out from the inside or something. I agree that it looked like she was recognizing her at first, but I think that was more of a trick of the camera. So, you know, you, you're like, what's going to happen? And it, instead of her reaching for Andrea because it's her sister, as she starts to bare her teeth and everything, you realize she's just reaching for it because it's a brain. It's a, another mm, body. Brains. It's, it just works enough both ways. You go, is she recognizing or is she not? And there's a great discussion right here where they kind of talk about what everybody's been thinking is, you know, what are the rules? You know, what what's allowed? What's not allowed? What's permitted? How, how far up could Shane hike his pants? We need to know. <laughs> we really need to talk about your pants, Shane. You're freaking everybody out. They're against regulation. And now for the ladies, shirtless Jim. <laughs> what? That's right. Is there anybody in the background there we don't recognize? Mm, no. Yeah. So not I only guess did everybody she... else that we were talked about last episode that we, you know, oh, there's somebody we haven't seen. I guess they all got killed. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm dealing. Ford trucks, when you have to have a payload full of zombies, trust Ford. So she stays with her sister all night, puts a bullet in her head, digs the grave, wraps her up, and puts her in there. Wow, that's that's. I'd probably do the same thing for my brother. I don't know that I don't know that it's messed up. I just think I'd want to make sure my brother was taken care of and treated with respect. After you put a bullet in his head. I wonder if this kid's going to grow up fast like Walt. I was just thinking the exact same thing. Exactly. Somehow I don't think they'll have the the time constraints that they have on uh, on Lost. I think it'll be a lot easier for them to uh, advance things forward if they need to accommodate his, uh, his growth. Yeah. yeah. He was already taller than this when I saw him at uh, the convention, by the way. He was already a, a little bit bigger than what he was on the show, a little bit older. He's a really smart kid, too. He's really nice. His yeah. parents are super cool, too. Well, would you guys be cool with them just not even mentioning it? I mean, 
you, you can take several different routes. You write him off the show, you have a time jump in the story, or you just kind of pretend he hasn't aged any, and you don't say anything about it. Does it bother you if when shows don't when shows do that? Uh, no, I think it it bothers me when. Well, I mean, the loss is a different situation because it was clearly a you know thirty, sixty, ninety day time frame over three seasons, and the guy right. you know has aged years and grew like four feet. You know, additional four feet. So well, that's like any any baby that's ever had in a soap opera. You know, yeah. There's yeah. that old old trope about you know that they're they're six months as a baby, they're six months as a kid, and then they come back as an eighteen year old. Well, there's a current show, and I can't remember what show or what network, but I just read about it. They're replacing a baby on the show with a young child, like a five year old. That was Family Ties from back in nineteen. No, it's happening currently too. <laughs> it's happening okay. currently. I'm not probably sure. on a soap opera since most of them are going. No, out it's the a primetime show. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a young child, um, baby, and between baby's age and child's age on uh, Modern Family. Might have been it. Who just had her ears pierced? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why I like Laurie better in the show than I do in the comic. Maybe just her character progression as the comic went on. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little warming up to her in the show, though. She never bothered me in the comic. Yeah, I'm with Brad on that one. Dale has a Drill Baby Drill sticker in his uh, trailer. Nice. And we and talked the ups- about the flags a little bit. Yeah, the upside down American flag here. Yeah. The American flag of uh, Amy's shirt. I would think uh, Dale would be one of those people who would never hang an American flag upside down. That, for some reason, I just figure people of that generation have much more respect for flags. I think it it has more to do with the current state of the world. Is you know the the world is upside down. You know that's true. I don't I don't think it's a statement necessarily like a political statement. Traditionally, putting the flag upside down is a distress call. It's a right distress, on both. So, right, so that would make sense. It acts as a really uh, good uh, thematic backdrop here, too. You know, the kind of the idea of what America was before all this went down. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Jim's talking nonsense now. (laughs) I am? Well, he's had a long day with the restaurant and the baby. Not you, Jim. This Jim. TV Jim. Talk about. I think Andrew Rosenthal sells it pretty well. Moment of truth right here. This pretty much tells Shane where he stands in this whole thing going on. But I must admit, if this were real life, wouldn't you guys want to go to the CDC? I mean, really? I don't know. After seeing the state of the city... The way it was. I already have a zombie plan worked out. It does not involve going to the CDC. 
But if I were in this situation, I probably would. Since you're in the neighborhood. I just thought it was hilarious that Robert Kirkman didn't realize that the CDC was in Atlanta. <laughs> Oh, yes. This part coming up here. I remember this now. Yeah, this was an interesting take on you know what was really uh, a big scene in the in the book. You know, kind of foreshadows something. You know. Yeah, I was wondering, watching this the first time, how this was going to play out. I think it's a good example of how the show is like. You know, even though we've read the comics and everything, it's still you know fresh and new to us because they the little twists and changes they make to the story as it goes along. They play with your expectations a lot. I think this is just as much Shane taking it out on Rick because he's back and what he's missing out on as opposed to anything else. Yep. Absolutely. It's funny as I line about it, well, it was your family, you'd feel differently. You know, he did have that family until yesterday or whatever. And Rick showed up. This is a wicked shotgun Shane has. Sawed off, isn't it? Looks sawed off. This is the best line in the whole episode coming up. Yeah. I don't know if it's sawed off. It might be a combat shotgun, though. That is an awesome, I love how they just cut and it's, it's him full, you know, again, the tight shots, the close-ups. I like the look on Shane's face when he's looking down the side at him too. Yeah. I just love Jeffrey DeMond's. This is, you know, again, if you were even skeptical about how he's pulling off Dale that look mm-hmm. on his face was just like, whoa, he knows that that, I mean, that's the, I know what you're up to and I don't like it very much. I've said it before and I said it again, Dale is the man. I love how they're using the van seat as a bench. Ha, <laughs> they notice that. You can follow me in my high pants, or you can wear your pants low like Rick. It's your choice. Hmm. We are the opening 
shot here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, the, if they probably, I bet you they shot it at the same time. I would guess. You know, they just said, all right, Rick or Andrew, put your sheriff's thing on or whatever. Clean your face and put your sheriff's clothes on. That would have to suck for timing. Getting that uh, that sunset just right, you only have like maybe one or two takes before it's in a different position completely. Mm-hmm. They probably just shot that first. Let's do the open shot without him, then let's do an open shot with him, and then the rest of it you know, doesn't matter too much. True. Or I guess these days they could probably just take a, a clear sky with the sun high up there and sieging in a, a sunset. Fake yeah. the whole thing based on an earlier shot. They won't be able to do that next season. They won't have the money. That's right. <laughs> Tune into our news show to hear more about that. Yeah. Really. I guess they won't be using a Dodge Challenger unless it was donated. You'd be using a Volkswagen Rabbit. Prius. <laughs> Sponsored, sponsored by Prius. An ice cream truck. Well, to be fair, the Challenger is pretty much the only nice car they have right now. Everything else is from the I 70s wonder if we're going to see this family again next season. It's possible. There, I was a little ticked off that I don't think he's sad that they're leaving. I think he's ticked off that they're taking half a half a box yeah, of they, ammo and a handgun. Yeah, gun. exactly. I hope Norman Reedus finds a new shirt. Maybe one with sleeves. That was sweet. That girl gave Sophia her doll. That's the same radio that I have, and I think it is. It doesn't have 40 channels. <laughs> I love those big old Winnebago's. I bet it reeks inside. That's pretty much the same Winnebago uh, my grandparents had in the 70s. I think zombies can read. <laughs> Better hope not. They're going to see that note and know exactly where they're going. I wonder which car they put the tires from the Challenger on. Eh. What I was thinking even more is that Michael Rooker would find it and know where they were going. Oh, yeah. I think we talked about that a while back, didn't we? Yep. Sounds yep. familiar. Good music here. Really good music here. It, the music, it almost sounds hopeful. And ominous at the same time. I never noticed the canoe on top of the Winnebago. Yeah. Presumably the same one that Amy and Andrew were in last episode. Oh yeah, I guess I have noticed it before. But I don't think we've ever seen it on top of the Winnebago, except for now. Again, I think we're seeing Shane's further isolation. You know, he's in that Jeep mm-hmm. by himself.
Been there. Wonder if Triple A is still around. It's Triple Z now, buddy. <laughs> You know, Jim, I never really, I never thought about the fact that that upside down flag is a uh, distress, but you're absolutely right. I learned that in the Boy Scouts, but I just never thought about it since then. Jim's not looking too good. Again, the sequence, I mean, like we saw the sequence before with Shane and Rick that was totally not in the book. And then we see this, which is pretty much right out of the book. It's a good mix. I mean, it would it would be kind of, uh, you know, anticlimactic if everything was, I think, if everything was taken directly from the comics. But oh, I'm, yeah. glad that, I'm glad that enough is that the integrity of the story is still there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've gone on record, maybe not on this show, but on definitely on LOD that if if you make a direct 100% translation from comic to book or source material to book and you don't change anything up, then what's the point of seeing it? Because there's nothing new, there's no surprise, there's no variety. Um, you know, the fact that they're willing to change things up in a different medium, to me, makes it interesting and, you know, gives you something that, um, you know, you know, where it keeps you keeps your interest. Exactly. It gives the uh, and it gives the stuff that you do know from the from the original source material a different color or a different perspective sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I like that they're willing to leave it up to Jim, you know. They know what they need to do. I think it's one of those, you know, if Jim told them, nope, put a bullet in my head and carry on, um, you know, they probably <laughs> would have been able to do that. But, uh, you know, try and give him some sort of dignity or you know, let him go on his own terms. Again, it shows the humanity that they're still, you know, holding on to in this desperate situation. Would you guys want a bullet in your head or would you want to just let it happen because you think your family might be out there as a zombie? I don't know if I'd be kissing Jim with the zombie happening. I think I'd, I don't know. I think I'd have to take bullet to the head. I don't know that I have a preference, honestly. <laughs> that's that's the Kobayashi Maru right there, boy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I would rewrite the script to give me a zombie cure. I really, 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 really hope we see Zombie Jim running, th walking through 
one episode next season. That would just be awesome. It's weird to see Glenn with his hair pushed back. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, not, not to spoil too much, but if, if season two does follow the book a little more closely, I'm looking forward to a lot more Glenn, um, you know, and, and getting to know his character a lot better. Yeah, it's hard to elaborate without spoiling anything, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think we've got a pretty good chance of that because, I mean, we're only adding a few new characters and uh, we'll have twice the time and we've killed off a lot of the chaff from the first season. So everybody should get a nice spotlight. And they can't yeah. afford to hire too many more actors, so. hey Poor Jim. It's just kind of bizarre that my grandparents had the same Winnebago and then my dad had one of those same Jeep Cherokees that they're driving. Yeah. It's at this point in the series when I was at uh, the episode when I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was another commercial coming on or something. Yeah. Welcome to my YouTube video. <laughs> he really did good. It did do a good job with this character, though, I thought. Even if it did come out of nowhere. I saw this actor recently on another movie or a TV show. He was in Super 8. He played That's a what it was. Yes. That's what it was. I liked Super 8. I think I elbowed Frank or Bill and said, there's Jenner. <laughs> Don't trust him. Actually, it was, it was um, Dennis. Dennis Pooh. It wasn't Frank or Bill. Gotcha. Did you like Super 8, Brad? Very much so. Wow, we finally agree on a movie, dude, because I loved it too. Yeah, it was fantastic. Mmm, hamburgers. There's the TS-19. So apparently human flesh looks a lot like fish, actually. It did. Kind of look like raw fish. This whole part kind of reminded me of the television uh, version of The Stand. They had a similar sequence in the CDC, only everyone had died. Yeah. And they were all yeah. in the same kind of suits and everything. And So you'll notice that Jenner's wearing headphones underneath of his uh, clean suit, but they're not in his ears. How in the world would he ever get them back into his ears while wearing the clean suit? I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to lose them. Or spill acid on them. <laughs> yeah. So what did you guys think of this overall? I'm, I'm, I know we talked about it before, but they're kind of demystified things a little bit by, you know, giving an explanation and giving a little, I guess, science to the book, which, you know, we, we've never, I, mean, I don't think this is any kind of spoiler for the book, but we've never got any kind of explanation. We've never got any kind of, uh, you know, reasoning behind, you know, what started this all, what, you know, what you know, the origins, it's just one of those things you just take for granted. Zombie apocalypse happened and here we are. 
But I think their explanation was more of a we don't know explanation than actually giving you any real information. They basically right. to- told you what you already know just with an x-ray. Yeah, right. even after you know the end of the next episode, we still don't know squat, basically. Right, but I guess it – I guess – we didn't get find the origins or anything, but I guess they kind of explained a little bit more about like what it's doing and the progression and, and things like that. Yeah. That, that was very interesting to me to, to know that not the source, but the science behind it. Like, like you said earlier, just the actually what, what's going on. And one of the things that really pins down that's important to the characters too, is that it's a worldwide thing. It's not just a local to their area thing. And I think as long as they don't give any more explanation than what they've given in this episode and the next, I'm fine with it. I think that's just about the perfect amount. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. You'd think with a really nice cr- uh, control center like that, you'd have nicer chairs. And nicer computers. Yeah, yeah, they do look a little bit out of uh, Apollo 13. Yeah, they look like the computer training center at like a Votech in the 80s. I do love that circular Maybe light, though. That is just cool looking. Maybe it's like NASA. It's considered like a historical landmark, so you can update all the guts, but the outside part has to stay the same. Is that true? I've never heard that before. The old NASA, not the new. Like when you see Mission Control on on TV, um, that's the new Mission Control. But like the one from you know prior to ten years ago, um, because I've taken that tour probably thirty times in Houston. But uh, but yeah, it's like a historical center, so they could replace the guts and stuff, but the outside everything has to stay the same. Still have the ashtrays mounted to the to the counters and the whole nine yards. That's true. I forget the, about Houston. I always think Florida when I think NASA, but that's true. Houston, we have a problem, and White Sands, New Mexico, all that. Yep. Where's Planet Houston? <laughs> Yuck. Okay, I just want y'all to lie there. Okay, don't move. Ready? And action. Maybe it'll be like Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers, where they spent all the money on the movie part of it. And so then when they did the TV show, they always just reused the same footage of certain things. <laughs> the ship's going down the tube the same way every yeah. single time. Yeah. Same dog fights, the same turrets. Is this what the real CDC building looks like in no. no, this is uh, a center for the performing arts. Yeah, I, I forget exactly what the title is, but... um. How do you know this? Um, Bill and Trent from the Behind the Cutting Edge podcast. They're one of our uh, Walking Dead Podcast Network friends. They actually went to a Kevin Smith show at that same building and tweeted some photos. Cool. And I think right after we saw the episode, uh, who does the um, the Walking Dead tours on Twitter, like the, the location tours? Is that Luthen? Uh, somebody, sure. somebody was tweeting pictures at that time too so whoever it was thank you my memory's just terrible yeah, i love how they amp up the buzzing of the flies as they get closer you know in the uh, the audio mix until we could see darkness is a, is coming and they're all starting to freak out that and the fact that there's actual zombies coming at them They're all ready to bail. 
I love this ending. I think it's just got a great amount of tension. Yep. Frantic. Everybody's and freaking then just out. That, the final shot of that light, you know, that, the hope in the light is awesome. I mean, even Lori's like, look, it's, we tried. No, no good. And it's great to see Rick pressed to a breaking point, you know, that mm-hmm. I don't know that he's gotten to so far in the series. Plus, Rick is like the only one that believes there's someone in there, and he's the only one that believes that they'll open up, you know. He's just he's holding on to his, his belief as hard as he can. In the end, is very close encounters. <laughs> that bright yeah. light. <laughs> yeah. Expect Richard Dreyfus to come out. And... I, I think you know this says a lot because Rick, this this was his deal, this was his idea, and I think he feels like okay, if this he's, doesn't pan out, he's desperate. Then, yeah. Then you know how is anybody gonna gonna you know treat me as a leader? Are they are they gonna be willing to follow me moving forward? Yeah, just awesome, awesome shot. Instead of fade to black, we get fade to white. I think if they hadn't been picked up for a second season, that would have been a great place to end the season. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think... uh, to, to me, I think that's this. This is the second best directed episode in the in the season. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. It 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 may be my second favorite of the season. Yeah, and I'm really happy with the writing that we saw in there. Uh, I thought it was very good, especially yeah. the the Amy Andrea stuff, uh, some of Glenn's outbursts, a lot of work with Dale, and that ending scene right there. Yes, indeedy. I think we mentioned it when we talked about it, but it was very, uh, it had a very lost feel, the end of that particular episode, you know, with the light and all that stuff. But maybe yeah. that's just because we were in the middle of enjoying, you know, the the tail end of Lost. Right. I, I like this episode. I think my, the, the first and the last episodes are my favorites, but this is really, really solid. And I think it speaks well, even with all the controversy that's going on right now with the show, you know, that of the quality that we're going to see. I just hope the quality keeps up, you know, agreed. I said it last week. I'm, I got, I'm scared. I'm really, I'm really, really concerned about well, only time's going to tell right now. I mean, Oh, I know. I know. But why can't I have nice things, Jordan? Because you, I'll edit that out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that ends our commentary for uh, episode five of uh, season one of the Walking Dead TV show. If you'd like to get in contact with us, there are many various ways you may do so. Uh, You can call our voicemail at 516-468-7912. You can send us email at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. You can check out our brother podcast, Half Hour Wasted, with Brad and his cohorts, and Legion of Dudes with Russ and Jordan and I and our cohorts on Thursdays, HHW on Mondays. And also check out the latest addition to the HHW LOD family, the uh, the Out Now podcast with Aaron and Abe. You can check out our Facebook group uh, for Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, Walking Dead TV podcast, and Media Minutes. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at WDTV podcast, all one word, and 
H-H-W-L-O-D underscore network. And you can follow me personally at Twitter at, at Yoda Jones. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. And when I tweet, which is very infrequently, I'm at R. Latham. And I'm at Brad Milo. It's M-I-L-Y-O. And jo- uh, John is... At oh, L-I John M, I think. Why do at I always think there's John a one M1. in there? Because there, there, he can never remember if there's one at the end or not, neither can anybody else. John says nobody cares. So until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, answer me this. Why can't we have nice things? Have a good week. Good night. John, how much have you had to drink? It's not the size of the boater. It's not the but, size of the boater. It's the way you use the wheel at the front of the boat. That but, that Bud Light Lime is catching up on them. Yeah. I'm going to give Russ a call here. He only put up uh, that email, see, nine minutes ago, so probably on his way. Oh, oh a- we're doing we're doing the commentary first? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, I, I just saw that. Let me cue up my Hello? Russell. Are you eating? Will you? I haven't checked the email, Jordan. Russ, you sound like you're on a World War One field phone or something. <laughs> he can't hear you, um, Jim. I'm holding. Hey, Jerry's ass. I've got I've got my speakerphone on and I'm holding it up to the microphone. Uh, Jim, Jim Jerry, said you never... sound like you're on a World War One phone. Did I sound like I'm on a World War One phone? Yeah, because I'm holding my speakerphone up to my microphone, my Skype headset. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. How long until you can join us? Five minutes. Five minutes? Are you guys ready to roll? Gee, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can wait that long. I don't know why I thought we were going at our normal time. So. Well, because we're doing we're doing two shows tonight. Right. We're doing the commentary first, and then we're gonna do a news show. All right. Yeah, give me like five, then I should be good. We'll give you. We'll give you six. Brad, tell him to beware of trench foot. Jordan says, beware of trench foot. Trench foot. It's a World War One joke. There's not exactly a lot of them out there. It's a World War One joke. He says Jordan doesn't get out a lot. <laughs> no, because I have a world. I have a World War One joke. Right. Bye, Russell. And that this con is bananas. B a n a n a s. Sorry. You're you're only allowed to sing like once. Every four shows maximum. So if you're going to sing on what's the commentary that's next? Is it wildfire? wildfire. It's oh, wildfire. Geez. And so to pull back a little bit, there was no singing on that episode. Oh, <laughs> might as well right, do good. it now. Go ahead. No, I'm not going to do it. If you want to do it now, I'll, I'll splice it in at some point after the credits or whatever for the other episode. Don't encourage him, Jordan. Do we have bloopers for that episode? No, I mean, it'll, it'll provide a blooper because I don't think there's much other than that. She ran calling wildfire. Hey, uh, Brad, who sings that song? Uh, you know what? I don't remember, but I'll just let him do it. How's that? It was Michael Murphy. Da, 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 da. Hey. Michael Martin Murphy. 
No, we're just making stuff up. But we're not here to talk about 70s songs about runaway horses, are we? No, no, we, we most definitely are not. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. There's not a lot of them. 